Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to yet again another podcast episode with your host, Lars. It's me. Hey, <laughs> welcome back. I felt like I needed to make a part two episode after that last podcast that I did on the introduction to health because naturally I felt like I missed a couple things that I really wanted to share that had really helped me and expedited me on my health journey. Um, and I just felt like these tips that I want to share today kind of, um, go off the last podcast. So if you haven't listened to the last one yet, I would highly recommend that one. That one was all about this introduction to health, how I healed my leaky gut, my brain fog, acne, fertility, um, to getting to a sense of vitality, peace, mental clarity. And the key for me is really just optimizing my digestion and my energy and just my overall sense of well-being and feeling good in my skin. So that was all last week's episode. Basically, it's rooted in this idea that we need to enter a place where we gain a sense of body literacy. In other words, we need to learn to decode the messages that our body is telling us, what its needs are, and um, introduce an intuitive eating pattern to our life so that we can constantly adjust and readjust based on what our needs are. Because what once worked for you today might not work for you tomorrow. So just continuing to mimic that same you know, exercise or that same um, food and eating it every single day for the rest of your life because it once worked isn't necessarily going to be working for you in the later days to come because your body is in a constant change. It's, it's constantly changing and its needs are going to reflect that change. So if you're going to be constantly searching for the next diet, the next exercise trend, or the next biohacking trend, you will be disappointed because there are no saviors. There's no one size fits all approach. It's learning about getting deep and intuitive into our own body and listening to what its needs are. And today's intention is just to continue to bring forth more information and tips and tricks um, that really catalyzed my healing journey and tips that I forgot from the last podcast episode. So in today's episode, we will talk about how to listen to your body's cravings, the importance of rotating your foods to protect against inflammation and make sure you're getting a variety of nutrients. We are also going to talk about healing with herbs, how many medicinal plants are growing right at our doorstep and under our noses, and that the earth is providing us with exactly what we need at this time to heal our bodies. We will also talk about sunshine and how it does not directly cause skin cancer and how to protect yourself from sunburns without, without the cancer-causing sunscreens. We will also talk about the importance of grounding and the importance of sleep, how to optimize your sleep and things you may be overlooking that are disrupting your sleep cycle. And then lastly, we will talk about over-exercising, what stress actually does to the body and ways to cope with emotional and physical stress in this life. So we got a great episode today and hope you guys enjoy it. Our first topic here is learning to listen to your body's cravings. So this is one way we gain a sense of body literacy is we begin to notice what the body is craving. Now granted, if you've been eating a ton of junk food for a long period of time, it's going to be confusing to know what your body is craving. So how I kind of do it is I am... After I have... Maybe I have my meal, I'm like, wow, I'm still craving something sweet. 
maybe I needed more carbohydrates in my meal. So maybe next time I'll have a little more sweet potato or after the meal I'll have just a little bit teaspoon of honey. Or maybe I notice that I'm craving something salty. So it's telling me I need more, more minerals, more of that magnesium or all those little trace minerals found in salt. So, you know, even having like some, some sauerkraut or like a pickle after a meal or um, a little pinch of sea salt just on my tongue afterwards has helped with those cravings. Um, so like looking into sweet, salty, and spicy um, because all of these different foods offer us something differently, have different nutrients and minerals in there that our body might be, be needing and might be craving. Um, and I think it's important like when you're craving something sweet to like actually give your body something sweet, um, maybe some fruit, you know, from a whole food source, some, maybe some fruit or yeah, a little bit of, of honey um, because that's t- me, that's my body telling me that I need more, more carbohydrates and sugar. So that's when I'm not, you know, reaching for my Olipop or like my stevia or whatever, my monk fruit, because my body's saying, hey, I need some sugar. I need um, for whatever reason. So it's just listening to that and just going from there and beginning that process. So that's a good start. And then if you're craving junk food, try to see what it is about that junk food. Like again, is it sweet, salty, spicy, and begin to try to um, be an investigator and see what it is that your body wants out of that food. Like if you're craving a lot of, you know, fried food, what, what is it that your body's really needing? Maybe it's needing more like fats, you know, like, and you can get it, replace it with a healthier source, like, you know, some ghee and some toast or something. But you should know that um, most people, like 98%, if not more, have a parasite problem. So these parasites and bad bacteria in your gut, and also they live in your any organ in your body, really, they will send signals to your brain to tell you to crave certain foods. But it's also important to note that if your cravings are continuing after you eat, a lot of time our, our craving and hunger signals won't turn off until we've gotten a certain nutrient that we were lacking from um, the food. So it's still telling you to eat in hopes that you're going to shift what you're eating to give yourself that nutrient that you were lacking. So keep that in mind as well. So that's why it's really good to break it down into like flavor categories, in my opinion, to see what the body actually needs. It's funny times I've been having cravings and like I had like a little bit of ghee after my meal or just like a little bit of liver. Oh my gosh, because liver just has it all. Like it just has all everything in my opinion. It's got like everything you could possibly need. Anything I'm lacking mineral and vitamin wise. And the moment I had just like a little bit of liver or like organ meats, it's like boom, hunger signals completely turned off and I'm satiated for the rest of the evening. So that's something to keep in mind. So tip number two is to change your food up. And we kind of talked about that earlier on, but um, it's important to rotate your food. This was something that was really key. And I began to start see a ton of differences in my health when I began to rotate the foods I was eating to like three or four days. So that even meant from like the coffees to the teas I was drinking to, you know, certain meats and food groups, cruciferous vegetables, birds, um, turkey or eggs, um, to meat, to cow or bison or lamb or um, what else, elk, you know, just rotating these kinds of foods that I'm eating. So I would eat maybe, and it always kind of started at dinner. So at dinner I would have, um, you know, maybe like bison and like some squash kind of vegetables 
And then for lunch the next day, I would also have that leftover bison and squash, vegetables. And then breakfast would be kind of its own thing. Um, But then after that, the next dinner of that day, I would um, change up the food group. So now instead of doing bison, um, we might do some kind of other vegetables. Usually after eating bison, I'm like, okay, I can probably chill out on the meat. And so I'll do like some, maybe just like a little bit of chickpeas and some vegetables and then end my meal with like a little bit of yogurt because yogurt really helps me digest and just form a good bowel movement Um, or, or a little bit of raw cheese as well. So then like for lunch the next day, maybe I'll, I'll continue with that or I'll switch to a new food group, a new meat group, which would be like turkey. So that's an example of just constantly rotating my meals and changing it up on my body. Because there's also this idea that we have positive food stressors where we go through periods of low food intake um, due to the challenges with food and the availability and like our ancestral Um, evolution um, and periods of high food intake. So periods of abundance, periods where we're excessively eating, but we're pairing that with adequate exercise. So following again, your, your intuition, if there's some times where you're just not feeling that hungry, like obviously eat a little bit, sustain yourself. um, But then also if you're all of a sudden, you just have an insatiable appetite and you just feel like you need to eat and your body needs to feast, let your body feast. Let your body just um, take in all of that need and like create those energy stores. And because these are kind of natural cycles and stress patterns that our body has adapted to intuitively. And I see myself doing this all the time. And actually, it really does pair sometimes with my um my menstrual cycle. It's not every cycle, but sometimes I notice I'm like, you know what? For the last couple of days, I just haven't been super hungry. So my meals kind of got a little bit smaller or maybe I'm doing more like juicing and more smoothies, more yogurts. Um, but I run into issues when I just keep doing that over a long period of time. And, um, usually cause it's a time issue and I'm just like rushing through life and just grabbing really quick, you know, foods that aren't super calorie dense and then I will end up getting really fatigued and sick so it's it's got a fine balance you know it's like what worked for you yesterday might not work for you today so you always have to switch Um, but that's what's keeping us buoyant and that's what's keeping our metabolisms flexible in my opinion so I did things like keto um, for a long period I probably did keto for like six months yeah it was cool for a moment (laughs) It was, it seemed like it was working. I was like so craving carbs. Like I told you in the last episode, I do really well with carbs and I wasn't really listening to that. Um, and I still was really fatigued, but a lot of people are, are doing keto and there are dangers. I'm not going to talk about it here, but there's dangers to, you know, all of a sudden your metabolism isn't going to be flexible. Like if you have carbs all of a sudden after being keto for a long period of time, all of a sudden carbs are going to make you super fatigued and you want to be able to bounce back in between. So like for me, some days it's like, okay, I'm going to throw in a couple keto meals. Um, and it's just become very intuitive. It's like, wow, okay. I had dinner last night was a low carbohydrate meal. Breakfast this morning was a low high carbohydrate, low carbohydrate meal. (laughs) Sorry, tongue twister. And then, um, maybe like that lunch will also be low carbohydrate or I'll be like, okay, now I'll have some more carbs and then dinner will be low carbohydrate. Carbohydrate. Why can't I talk right now? But again, it's just like 
like being like flexible and alternating between two different needs and changing our ratios of carbohydrates and proteins and fats because ideally like if you have a high carbohydrate meal you want it to be a little bit lower in fat whereas if you have a low carbohydrate meal that's when you want to really increase the fat to increase um, say it satiety I can't speak today to increase your satiation and to increase your protein intake so keep you full longer so um, that's another tip kind of that's like a tip three inside tip two our next tip here is to limit your food groups okay and this also kind of goes with what I was saying before rotating your foods but also don't overdo certain foods like Okay, this was when I was having the worst digestion and I was like so into Indian food. I was making all these curries and I was putting all these spices in. And the thing is, you don't know what you might be having an inflammation response to. You don't know what might be triggering you. So when you have a meal, keep it simple. Like I keep it simple. I do maybe like there's four or five different food groups. And when I was really struggling, it was less. It was super less, like maybe like three. So that means it's like I have my meat there or some kind of vegetable um, and then maybe like one spice or another spice um, and then that's really about it and I didn't really include the fats in, into something to rotate but sometimes people have issues with certain fats and they have to rotate that too but I made mistakes where I was just putting on every spice imaginable I had my rosemary I had my thyme I had my you know garlic onion and um you know uh turmeric and ginger powder and all these different things in one dish and it was just a little overwhelming for my body so what's cool is you can do a hardcore elimination diet where you're really just beginning to like food log all the foods that you eat and practice a rotational diet of four days um or you can just kind of think about it in more like a long-term scope and really just begin to limit the foods that you eat. And over time, like you will see a pattern of what foods are causing you issues. But the thing with elimination diet that I don't necessarily like is again, this concept of like we are constantly changing and our needs are adapting based on our, our daily life or, or what our needs are. So yeah, you might have an inflammation response to tomatoes one day, but you might find or that you're digesting them like a week later and that they're really helpful for the dish that you were having. And sometimes it's like the food pairing that was off. So there's so much um, detail that can actually make you go a little bit crazy, but how you can start so this isn't overwhelming is just to limit the amount of food that you have on your plate, including the spices and keeping it small and then rotate these spices and changing it up so you're getting a different profile of minerals and vitamins. In the last episode, I really just shared about my love for meat and high quality dairy and butter and bone broths and organ meats and all this freaking fantastic food that just healed my body and made my hair strong and long and my legs thick and my ass fat and all this beautiful stuff. But I want you to know, I want you to know, I love plants. I love vegetables. I love them so much. And maybe I didn't give them enough highlight in my last episode. And I want to highlight my relationship and how they've changed with vegetables now. Because 
In the past, I used to eat so many vegetables and grains and seeds and nuts and legumes, and they were a lot of the root cause of a lot of my problems. They definitely weren't assisting me, um, and that's due to the phytic acid. So there's anti-nutrients inside of vegetables and seeds and grains that make it hard to actually absorb the nutrients that they could be bringing forth, and there's certain ways to prepare these foods to better absorb those nutrients, and a lot of times that looks like soaking. And I think I shared about that in last episode, but my view on vegetables has changed. And yes, I do eat with the seasons now and I'm eating a lot more vegetables now that it's summer, a lot more greens, but I still, um, I limit, I'm not doing these crazy huge raw salads and raw cabbage salad. I mean, I just can't digest that. There's just ain't, that ain't gonna happen for me. But I do love vegetables and they're amazing and um but how I you look at vegetables and herbs now is more as a a medicine. So instead of loading my plate with like 10 different vegetables, 15, 20 different vegetables because that just wasn't working for me and I was not able to digest all of that plant fiber and um Whereas, you know, you actually might have a really easy time doing that. And if you do, that's totally great. You know, there's Dr. Um, Dr. B, the fiber-fueled gut health doctor guy who I followed for a while. And he's mainly on a plant-based diet. And he recommends for people to have 30 different kinds of vegetables on their plate. And for some people, it obviously, he has a great following. So it obviously really works. Um, but for me, that just doesn't work. Again, we got that ancestry. We got that German ancestry and Irish ancestry where um, I'm not close to the equator. So I'm not meant to be eating ve vegetables year round, 365 days of the year. But how I like to look at vegetables and herbs and leafy greens, instead of eating all these leafy greens that I couldn't even properly digest, where they were just literally coming out the next day in the toilet like a straight up leaf. Like, I'm like, how did you make it this far? <laughs> how did you make it this far? And you're just floating there like, geez. Anywho. I like to make um, infusions and and green juices out of my out of my herbs. So let's just do a little difference between a tea and an infusion. So say you're trying to like get healthier and you're like getting the, you know the detox teas and it's so sweet. That's wonderful. You're at Sprouts. You're at Whole Foods. You're picking out that detox tea box and you're making it but it's really not doing a lot for you. Like it's really not in order to get the medicinal property of that herb or that plant matter you want to make an infusion so an infusion is actually like simmering on the stove these herbs so you can get loose herbs um and usually like you go to like a natural health food stores and they have even at sprouts they have like a loose herb section or loose spices and a lot of time there's tea there like thistle root um stinging nettle um raspberry leaf shisandra berry and you can get these and put it into a pot on your stove and you never want to boil it. You never want to boil it, but you want to simmer a large quantity of this herbal matter into the water and then um, basically just strain it and drink it. And then you're going to get more minerals from that, um, from that tea. So other, other than just doing like a simple, um, 
you know, a simple tea bag, which also could have my microplastics and bleach in it. Um, it's just going to be safer to get looser leaf and you're going to get more benefits and it's a lot more fun. It feels a lot more intentional and feels a lot more nourishing and like a lovely self-love practice. I also love making sun teas. So I will in the morning gather what kind of, or kind of herbs I want to drink for that day. So a lot of times it might be oat straw and, um, horsetail, stinging nettle and, um, what else have I been doing? Raspberry leaf, mugwort, um, because those are also, those ones are really great for anti babies. <laughs> so nah, just keep that cervix contracting. We don't want no children. And they have also wonderful, um, benefits for the reproductive hair, skin, nails, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I put that in, in a jar with some water and then I leave it out outside in the hot sun to just absorb the sun's juicy healing rays and then by high noon I get my tea and it's it's done and I get to put it in some ice and strain it and it's delicious so I love that I love deepening my relationships with the herbs and using them as more of medicine instead of trying to just um, ingest all the fibers of these different plants I absolutely adore um yeah, making, making infusions other than a tea. And it brings a lot of meaning and ritual into my life. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've also been drinking so much rose petal. Get some, do yourself the favor and get some high quality food grade rose petals from either Turkey or where else? Like Monrovia, Monrovia. Anyways, but you can get high quality food rose petal and you make an infusion and not only does it taste like a kiss from God, but it is just such a heart opener. Like this herb will literally just open my heart when I begin to close and shield from the world. And I just begin to feel like these little rock pebbles accumulating in my heart from just like the nuanced traumatic experience of everyday life or moments we contract I find that the rose actually really begins to soak and soften those emotional blocks that I feel in my heart or in my shoulders so oh, I do love plants I think they are here to heal us they want to help us they want to be in deep relationship and communication with us and we if we let them and if we learn from them and one of my favorite things um why I'm bringing this up is when I moved to Colorado, I learned more about practicing with herbs and specifically weeds. And weeds are just an herb whose virtues have not yet been understood or not yet been met. And weeds are highly medicinal. And I really do believe that a lot of the plants that are growing here at this time on earth are here for a specific reason to match the nutri nutritional needs that us humans need. We are in such deep relationship and communication with nature around us. And Mother Earth knows exactly what her children need and begins to offer us. And there's a reason weeds are so resilient and that their roots can reach so deeply down into the earth because our soil is so um uh what's the word our soil is just it's not as healthy as it once was it's losing so many of those minerals that we once had so these wonderful mighty beautiful weeds have come forth as like the guardians of earth and the just sweet nourishers of earth and are able to put their plant roots so deeply into the earth to just grasp onto those last surviving minerals and nutrients that we so desperately need and bring that up forth into its leaves for us to eat for us to drink 
drink for us to make infusions or, um, you know, topical infusions, whatever it may be. These plants are intelligent. They are here and they are growing with you and for you for a reason. So just begin to pay attention. And when I began to make green juices and no, I didn't juice it. That takes way too much time. But what I did was I would blend the plant matter and I would strain it. If you actually look on my um, Instagram, you can see in my highlight section called Forage, I have a lot more info on like plant identifying and like how to choose which weeds um, are most likely growing around from you and how to uh, work with them and to, to properly nourish your body. But when I began to work with these weeds, I was seeing huge difference and I would make a green juice out of it. Yeah, just which was just blending and straining. Um, and that's when I was really seeing a difference in my digestion and how it started was I began to actually notice what plants were growing around me and I would do like plant identification. I had my wonderful book, um, from Katrina Blair called the wild wisdom of weeds. And she has found about 13 different weeds or plants that grow literally anywhere around the world, whether you're in, um, the countryside or, you know, urban area, these weeds you can find bustling out of a sidewalk or a crack in the concrete at your local park if it's not sprayed, or it can be found in the middle of a forest or on some kind of countryside. These weeds are so potent and they're here to heal us. So that book really transformed my perception on being able to find food all around you, um, especially if food scarcity ever becomes a problem or um, financial reasons that you need help with getting high quality food and you can't afford all these supplements and these powders that they sell at the store it turns out that a lot of these weeds have exactly everything that you need from the amino acids to the vitamins um everything so that was a really amazing book and i just began to pay attention to what was growing around me and i just saw this one plant and in I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was a mallow plant. And so I took a picture of it because on the iPhone, if you take a picture of a plant, you can actually plant ID it. There's, if you go to the little eye with the little stars, asterisks, you can begin to press that and look up the plant and see what kind of plant it is and do plant matching. I also, um, join Facebook pages of like foraging in California or wherever I'm living. I, I choose these Facebook pages that help people identify plants and like what people are using them for. I love being a part of that. I love deepening my relationship with plants and just see what other people are doing rather than just reading a textbook because it feels harder to absorb for me. I need more of a hands-on approach. Um, so that's a tip. But this plant I saw, I was like, it's just really calling to me. I don't even know if it's edible. I don't know who this is. But as I plant ID'd it, I saw all the benefits of what it was. And it was like an anti-parasitic. It helps with leaky gut. It coats. Um, it's mucilaginous. You know, it's helping restore the leaky gut. All of this kind of stuff. And the more I drank it, I just felt how much this plant was healing me. Oh my gosh. It was just night and day. And the energy I got from it. Oh my gosh, I just absolutely adored this plant. I just kept up with my green juices and I was really beginning to see a difference. So it was like thistle root, thistle greens, mallow, dandelion, plantain, knotweed. Um, what else have I been? Comfrey was a really one that helped heal me. Um, you know, even like simple one, like rosemary and thyme, making infusions out of those and drinking them and even like wheatgrass and 
um, drinking that as well. So this has really helped me. And I was drinking two green juices a day, um, one first thing in the morning and then one before dinner, about 15 minutes before dinner. And I was seeing huge differences. And what I didn't know at the time was it was helping me kill off a lot of this bad bacteria and parasites that I had growing in my body and just keeping all of the, you know, that that system in check because inside of you there is a war between good friendly bacteria and quote-unquote bad bacteria and you need both but you need a really good balance and most people are in a state of dysbiosis so plants are here to heal look at what's around you become aware and just begin to take note see like look at a plant because sometimes it's, it's almost like they're saying hey look at me look at me and they're growing right at your doorstep or right in your backyard because they know that you need them and they need you. They want to be here. They want to be part of the mission of help and healing and service to others and furthering our evolution. And um, they evolve with us and through us. So look around you. This kind of like folkloric um, tradition of knowing about herbs that are growing around you is unfortunately a tradition that is becoming less and less in our culture. And it is time that we pick it up for ourselves and for the plant's sake. <laughs> so... All right. That was a good one. Okay. I think that's all I have to say about that. So now that we talked about herbs, it kind of makes sense to talk about sunshine. Oh my goodness gracious. I love the sun. I love the sun so much. I've had a couple mystical experiences with the sun since I was 16 and I've just felt how potent and healing that this God really is for our being. And a lot of the times we eat plants to eat the sun to connect because we can't photosynthesize on our own. Our bodies are designed for the sunshine. Our bones and our skin need the sun. In fact, we have thousands of receptors for vitamin D designed to be antennas to absorb the sun rays to heal our body. Our cells have a DNA code and photons that require energy and information from the sun. So sunlight is super key and it unlocks the nourishing energies that sustain our life. And let's face it, you know, sun gets a really bad rep. I don't know who the PR agent is for Mr. Sunshine, but he needs a new one <laughs> because people are over here thinking that the sun, it, the sun is causing skin cancer. They're saying the sun is causing skin cancer, but that doesn't really make sense. We've evolved as mammals outside with the sun for thousands of years and all the sun is causing skin cancer. That doesn't seem accurate. It makes more sense to understand what we're actually putting inside of our bodies that is reacting to the sun so information about these seed oils or rancid oils that we're eating foods that are cooked in like every time you go out to eat and get that um dish that you like it's going to be cooked in canola oil or sunflower seed oil or just these rancid oils that are clogging our entire system and are causing us to have sunburn so it's the quality of food quality of meat um, that we are eating and is what is reacting to the sun and it's true that our skin can be vulnerable you know to sunburn and repeated sunburns can cause visible damage though despite this negative press linking sun exposure to sun exposure to skin cancer there lacks consistent scientific evidence to support it for example people with the greatest risk of melanoma are not those with the greatest solar exposure one study found that malignant melanoma is less likely for adults and children who actually work and play outside 
Another study showed that melanoma is far more common for people who actually work indoors. A review of studies showed no correlation between sun exposure and melanoma. In his extensively researched book, The Sun and the Epidemic of Melanoma, Myth on Myth, Dr. Ackerman, the founding father of the field of dermatopathology, which is the study of skin diseases, substantiated that there is no proof whatsoever that the sun exposure causes melanoma. Um, then there's the results of a 1982 study conducted by researchers at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and published by the medical journal, journal The Lancet, demonstrated that fluorescent light exposure from indoor, indoor work, and this was back in 1982 when most of the workforce was yet to stare at a computer screen all day, creates twice the incidence of melanoma than outdoor work in the sun. Office workers exposed to high levels of artificial lighting during the day with minimal exposure to sunlight had the highest risks of develop, developing melanomas and mutations in their cells. Lack of sunlight in our culture's epidemic lack of vitamin D3 are linked to cancer overwhelmingly in more than 2,500 studies. Several studies confirm that the appropriate sun exposure actually helps prevent skin cancer. In fact, melanoma occurrence has been found to decrease with sun exposure and increase with sunscreen use. So let's talk about that. What's going on with these sunscreens? And if you look at sunscreens um there's a couple lawsuits to for johnson and johnson thanks johnson and johnson uh, a family company that is giving you cancer because of all of these synthetic um chemicals um in the the sunscreen that are actually carcinogenic so if you want to protect yourself from the sun the best way to do it is to block it out with clothing or to wear sunblocks. So sunblocks are completely different. They're natural, usually containing zinc or titanium dioxide and none of these harsh carcinogenic um, chemicals in the sunscreen. This is a quote and a lot of information coming from Let the Sunshine In, a section in Nadine Artemis's book. It says, we do want to avoid sunburns, yet getting sunburn is actually easier on our DNA than processing the cell damage from being in the sun with synthetic sunscreen. Sunscreen blocks our biological mechanism called melanin that was designed to guide our skin's interaction with the sun. When we get sunburn, our ancient photoprotective melanin ensures that only a tiny fraction of our DNA is damaged by the absorbed photons. Our DNA naturally transforms 99.9% .9 of the photons into heat. In this instance, heat is harmless. The remaining 0.1% of the photons is what causes sunburn. In DNA, this conversion of photons into harmless heat is extremely efficient. However, sunscreen damages DNA indirectly and without the warning signal of a burn. It is the indirect DNA damage that is responsible for mutations. Sunscreen cause indirect DNA damage because the photons are not efficiently converted into harmless heat. This understanding of indirect DNA damage led to the new research like the 2007 study of the University of California, San Diego, that reviewed 17 studies of sunscreen's use in melanoma. The researchers concluded that there is a significant correlation between sunscreen use and skin cancer. And in 1998, the Journal of the National Cancer Institute reported that children who were frequent users of sunscreen had a significantly higher chance of developing moles and freckles. Far more effective than sunscreen, protective melanin, aka our bodies like natural way of producing 
um, and protecting against the sun, lingers on our skin and in our blood in the form of vitamin D long after the heat has set. To preserve the juiciness of sun exposure, lubricate with organic botanical oils before, during, and after. And basically, she says to make sure that um, you're doing it um, from morning to high noon and kind of staying out of the sun in that high noon period. So sunshine is doing a ton of stuff. It's relaxing our nerves, increasing the oxygen and blood of our tissues, um, creating essential D3 in the body, regulating our thyroid um, and our basic metabolic rate. It's lowering our blood sugar. It's supporting our eye health. It's boosting our hormones. I mean, sunshine just does it all. And there is a more suitable way to introduce yourself to the sunshine. So you don't just want to like... After not seeing the sun for a while, just get in the sun all day and just get yourself burnt. You need to like work yourself up to it. So you can just start with like 10 or 15 minutes of sunshine every day, getting as much sun exposure on your skin as possible. I have a balcony, so you already know I am just in my birthday suit, <laughs> lathered in my botanical oils out in the sun. And especially we had a really, really gray um, spring and winter, tons of rain. So we didn't see a ton of the sun. Um, but I had so much sunlight stores in my body. I still had somewhat of a tan, but when that first couple days of, of sunshine came out, I really tried to not overdo it in the sun because I didn't want to overdo it and get, you know, a sunburn or anything like that. So it's important to prepare for your interactions with the sun and limit your exposure again, morning to high noon um, for the summertime is ideal is when you want to go out there. Um, and also eating a healthy, mineral-rich mineral diet that are low in PUFAs or low in these vegetable oils that I believe are essentially causing the skin cancer or causing this negative adverse reaction with the sun. I mean, just think about it. We're like, we're meat. We're kind of cooking our bodies out in the sun. And if you are not full of the highest quality ingredients, you're going to react negatively to the sun, which should be helping you and healing you. And I remember reading Dr. Andrew Weil's book about spontaneous healing, and he shared his own journey with the sun from being someone who was extremely pale inside playing video games all the time, could never get a tan, would always sunburn, um, super, super pale skin, to now is able to be in the sun for long durations of time and is able to have a tan and get supportive healing melanin in his skin. And he created a direct link to the changing the foods that he ate and the oils that it was cooked in and just the quality and the water that he was drinking um, and how that transformed his ability to actually begin to tan. So there you have it. That was a very long-winded um, explanation about the sunshine, but I really just have such a deep, deep love for the sun, and I've seen how it has healed my own body, my from everywhere, from like physical things to my mental health, and um, especially I remember my dad was diagnosed with cancer. I was just pressing him to go into the sun and get his bare feet on the grass every single day because I just knew that the sun would help heal him and it does and now he can't help but go in the sun for every day for 15 minutes it becomes like such a ritual and it becomes so nourishing you begin to feel what the sun is actually doing for you and so those days when the sun doesn't come out it really feels like for me at least, like a disconnection from my like sweet lover in the sky. I'm like, oh, I don't get to see my lover. And then sometimes these rays will peek on through and just touch my skin and it feels like a deep, deep hug and embrace. And so I have so much appreciation for the sun and I hope that now you guys too. 
now that you, now you guys do too. So also great opportunity. Um, let's talk about grounding. What is grounding? It's a bunch of, it's a term that a bunch of like hippie woo woo people are always talking about, but what is grounding actually doing? So on the bottom of our feet, we have these huge pores. So we have pores on the bottom and on the palms of our hands and the palms of our feet. But on the bottom of our feet, these pores are much larger. So as where's the pour in our hands, you're thinking about like a little coffee straw, like a little stir stick straw versus like a boba straw, um, which would be the pores on the bottom of our feet. And why they're so big is because they're meant to pick up negative ions from the earth to release these positively charged free radicals or disease, um, anything that's like disease causing in the body is always going to be positively charged and anything like disease will always have its own electromagnetic field and so by getting your feet on the earth you're actually absorbing the earth's negative ions and healing energy and releasing those positive ions back into the earth like the charge of the of the disease it doesn't mean you're just completely flushing out the disease i don't think but it means that you're contributing to like you got to think of yourself as a circuit like you have a north pole and a south pole and if you're just wearing shoes all the time all of these charged energies and these charged um cells and disease and the body are just continuing to circuit through but the moment you take your shoes off put it into the earth you're absorbing a new type of energy and you're rebalancing and restabilizing and detoxifying the body Um, whenever i go traveling like on a plane like i just went to the east coast And before I got on the plane, like I was getting grounded and I walked barefoot at a park for about, you know, 45 minutes, just getting my earth feet onto the earth. And I felt the dramatic difference that had on my stability um, during the plane ride and just afterwards of being able to sink back to my circadian rhythms um, and go right back to sleep. So grounding is super important. I have shoes with a copper grounding cord where um, no matter, even if I'm wearing shoes, this copper cord allows me to still pick up the negative ions. So super healing. Um, another example, like whenever you're sitting by a waterfall or a river stream, it's actually releasing negative ions. That's what it makes you feel really peaceful. It's helping just bring a sense of calm and relax your nervous system as well the earth is intended to heal us we need to be part of the earth like you got to just imagine plugging yourself back like an ox cord into the center of the earth and operating through the natural rhythms and cycles of earth as well so that's just a little two cents on grounding there's so much information about it so much science that i don't know that um, you can certainly look up if it inspires you to get more into that. I remember I dated a guy who would wear a literal grounding cord that would attach to um, the circuit in the wall, which ultimately attaches to, has a wire that's goes into the earth outside and he would attach this velcro thing to his foot so that his body was still connected to the earth at night and swore that he got way better sleep every single night so grounding is really cool there's so much science to it other than just kind of um what it is diluted to being some kind of hippie dippy thing so look into that as well um our next tip we're going to talk about um i guess it'd be sleep this would be a good time to talk about sleep okay my friends My friends, sleep is one of the most important things you can do for your body and it's free and it's so healing for you. 
um, we overlook the importance of sleep. We think, oh, I don't need to sleep, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We say all this kind of crap, but the body needs to sleep at night in order to go into deep, reparative, restorative rest. And if you have a room that is exposed to different lights, you've got like um, alarm clocks with emitting a light or a charger emitting like a blue light or you're bringing in street light from the outside or just light pollution, all of that is going to be affecting the quality of your sleep because on the surface level of our skin, we have these receptors for light and it is so that like when we wake, we wake up with the sun, cause that's our natural biological rhythm is to rise with the sun. And the moment we feel light on our skin, we produce cortisol so that we wake up and rise for our day. So if you're having light pour into your room and even if it's, you have an eye mask on, but your skin is exposed and arms exposed and getting any of this light, that is going to be seriously disrupting your sleep and ability to go into deep restorative rest. So you really want to pay attention to that. Um, also, the best times to sleep are getting in bed um, no later than 10, 1030 because they show that like from 10, I think, it, is it 10 to 12? Is it 10 to 12? Okay, 10 to 12 or 10 to 2, let's just say 10 to 12. Anytime sleeping before 12 o'clock, it's like those hours are almost doubled like you get double the amount of sleep um when you are able to go to sleep before um before 12 so there's important processes that occur during each hour of the night and there's like a chinese medicine wheel that can tell you what the body's doing what it's detoxifying what organ it's working on so maybe you keep work waking up at like 3 a.m every night and it turns out that's like when the liver should be detoxifying so it's showing you that you might have an issue with your liver so there's little clues and insights as to why you might be waking up in the middle of night um, of course your blue light of your phone it is creating dopamine mean it is spiking cortisol it is keeping you alert and awake and aware and you need to have either blue light glasses before you go to bed if you're going to be on your phone or you need to have like a policy with yourself of okay I don't do my phone past eight nine o'clock um, which is mine I just don't I've like usually put it on airplane mode by 8 30 or so um, and then I'm just out for the night and I'm not um, yeah I'm not looking at my phone too much um and then you know light in your house like are you having up into the evening time like I'm really cautious about the lights that I use all the lights in my room are either like orange or red or I'll just light candles when it gets dark um because if you have these like really bright fluorescent lighting that will also disrupt your cortisol and like because your body is beginning to when the sun sets your body is beginning to slow down and preparing to produce and release this melatonin and like getting you into like the sleep realm so it's very counteractive and counterintuitive to have all this bright harsh lighting around you so be really aware like if you can dim your lights at nighttime just keep everything nice and dim i just love candlesticks and the looks of these really long um candles and i've just been kind of i actually don't really have a light in my room i only have one little lamp and then everything is candles um so that's really going to help with your circadian rhythm and getting that back into balance as well. 
let's see here. Okay, another thing is you don't necessarily want to eat too much before you go to sleep because you want to optimize your sleep and if your body is having to worry about digesting food it's not going to be able to do all this other magical cellular repair and um of of other things that it wants to do in the body or detoxifying other organs so um make sure you don't overeat before you go to bed um and i guess um i can't think what else i want to add here i'm sure there's so much more but there's another thing for me um when I was really stressed, uh, going through a lot, I remember a year ago, I was having so much issues with my sleep and I just felt my brain was so wired. Like I could not quiet my mind in order to sleep. And there's a couple different practices I would take on to help that. And like one thing, um, I would write before my bed, before bedtime, I would write down a piece of paper, like what my worries were, what worries were and what my plan of action was for them if I could take one. And so then just the fact that it was on pen and paper, I was like, okay, if you're going to bring this thought up to me, um, while I'm trying to fall asleep, like, uh, I'm not going to think about it cause I already, I already wrote it down and it's existing on that piece of paper. I can return to these worries tomorrow. So that was a one tactic that I had and really just um, creating the, um, the the spiritual and emotional strength and mental strength not to go down these rabbit holes right when you're hitting your pillow and your head's lying down. You don't want to like begin to think about all the things that you're stressed about for the next day or all the things that you're supposed to be doing or, you know, start analyzing your relationships with other people. It's like just create a boundary with yourself and you can and you can just turn off those thoughts and um, just enter that sleepy time to choo train because I can feel it. I feel like at 930, 10 o'clock, this like sleepy time train comes and it's like I got five minutes maybe less to hop on and I will be taken into a deep sleep the rest of the night but if I pass that opportunity when I feel this like peak melatonin rising so that I can actually just overthink on other things then I have to wait for the next REM cycle which is like an hour and a half later and I begin to catch these patterns it's really interesting and now it's just like I create a joke I'm like sleepy time train is here and I just let myself surrender and fall into it um and not overthinking it was uh, another huge huge thing for me Back when I was over-exercising, I could not sleep through the night. Like, I would keep waking up at 2 a.m., and I just felt so strung out, like, so tired, but I was so perplexed why I couldn't actually sleep. So um, make sure that you're you're giving yourself proper time to rest and um, not over-exercising because that can just begin to keep you overly stimulated and you're not repairing um, your muscle tissue at the end of the night. Okay, and I think my last favorite tip here for how I've improved my sleep, this is what really works for me, is I treat my bed like the sacred space it is for sleeping. So in other words, after I wake up in the morning, very rarely do I ever get back into bed unless I'm sick. So that means I'm not going back to bed to just lie down or to read a book or to watch Netflix or just like lie there and stare at the wall. That's super rare. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does, but it is very rare that I do that because I keep that um, like that moment of when I first hit the bed at night I feel like I'm just able to plunge deeply into sleep very quickly because it's like that first hit of like <sighs> safety and just like 
conditioning my body to know that when it feels this furry blanket and this down comforter, you know, pillow or whatever it is, like it is time for all things to end and it is time for just sleep. So I don't mix these other things like stimulating activities like, you know, watching TV or movies or reading or whatever that could just keep my dopamine going when I'm in bed. I mean, certainly there's some other things that are happening in bed (laughs) that definitely keep my dopamine going. But um, as regards to sleep, I am very strict on that with myself because I find that like that first hit of like feeling the bed after a long day of just not seeing it or feeling it for an entire day, I'm just able to be carried so sweetly into the dream world. So I love that tip. That is seriously one of my favorite tips for me. It works so well. Um, And just getting yourself proper sleeping like materials like for me I I'm so bougie like I only sleep well with organic sheets organic cotton materials like I can't have um, any of these polyester plasticky um, kinds of comforter or sheets because it just disrupts my electromagnetic field and it really does like they actually study this like I know it sounds very um, woo woo but it's it's true like these they disrupt your body's communication internal communication when you don't have 100% cotton or you know bamboo or linen sheets you gotta it will actually disrupt that so for me, I really invest in my bed. I think you spend like a quarter of your life in bed. So why not just do it right and make it an act of self-love? I got my favorite little, I have a blankie. I'm not going to lie. I have a blankie. <laughs> it is my little furry little blanket and I love sleeping on top of it. When it's cold, I just get bundled up in it like a little burrito. It is my favorite thing. I do have a blankie. And um, when I go on trips, I bring my blankie with me because it helps me sleep better at night because it brings me a sense of familiarity and comfort and um, a sense of home. I'm not shy about it, okay? (laughs) Uh, We all need a good blankie. Um, Okay, let's see. We're wrapping up here, I think. What do we got left? Okay, we're going to talk about stress here over-exercising and protecting our nervous system in like an emotional, spiritual way and how we can do that. Um, So on a physical uh, way of looking at stress, let's just think about stress. So stress is acidic. So in the body it is producing acid and stress is breaking down muscle tissue. In fact, your body cannot differentiate between physical stress, emotional stress, and um, psychological stress. So, so what does that what does that mean? So, say I'm stressing my body out by overexercising, and I'm just like completely just tearing down my muscle tissue because that's what exercise is. Hello, folks. When you exercise, you're actually breaking down muscle tissue so that when you go to sleep at night, you can actually begin to repair that tissue stronger and tighter. So you're actually getting stronger on your rest days, not on the actual exercise workout days. So say I'm over-exercising and I'm just doing too many hit exercises, I'm doing too much lifting, and I'm just completely stressing my body out, or, or maybe I wasn't even doing too much. I was just doing like a good like three times a week, but then I'm having a lot of emotional and psychological stress i'm stressing about my work i'm stressing about you know getting to places on time i'm just stressing about who i am and what my goals are and i don't know about what i'm doing with my life you know all that kind of stress that is just keeping the nervous system it does not know the difference between that physical stress and the emotional stress stress is just having the same impact 
in the body. So I think that's super important to realize because if we knew that um, and knew how much stress was getting in the way of like maybe our gains, <laughs> we would we would look at it differently. We're like actually see stress as a way to say, okay, maybe um, maybe I'm not gonna let this stress me out because. I just did a high exercise today and I don't want to lose my gains. I don't want to break down my tissue any further. I don't want to produce acid in my body. I'm trying to stay alkaline and aligned and just trying to live my best life. So I'm not going to let myself be stressed. And I talked about that in the last episode of looking at stress as a choice, but it's really interesting. So, you know, under exercising can contribute to becoming fat or sluggish inside, but over exercising can also cause immune system suppression. And I did this, God, what was it? 2021, 2022, what year are we in? Yeah, maybe it was 2022. Whoa. I was just not sleeping at night. I was doing hit three times a week. I was probably under eating and I was super stressed. My dad just got cancer. I was just you know, I was doing really bad and I just felt I was getting sick all the time and my immune system was just not doing well. Um, so it was really important for me to actually just stop exercising. The moment I began to just stop exercising, I nourished my body and just focused on, um, healing my emotional state and creating just more stability in my emotions. Then I began to add the exercise in, but that's working out. So there's a difference. There's working in and working in is like regenerative. You're still like exercising, but it's more regenerative, um, restorative movement. So it's like you could still be doing squats, but now you're like linking the the breath with the movement of the squat or you're doing um, you know, sit-ups, but you're linking that breath and that movement. So you're not doing as many reps, but you're really like focusing on that muscle control and it becomes more of a, a Tai Chi practice with movement rather than like exerting yourself and you can still get really fit and toned by doing a work in exercise versus a work out exercise so most of the time I'm actually really just working in and then maybe once in a while I'll throw in a lot of like lifting um just to keep my muscles and my legs toned and shaped the way I like to because I like to be like uh Michelangelo with my marble and sculpting sculpting my legs and my body and just feeling strong but um, if you want more information about working in versus working out, um, look into Paul Check. He has a wonderful book called Eat, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. He also has a blog that you can look into, and um, there's going to be some videos online. So that's Paul Check, C-H-E-K. So as for emotional stress, believe me when I say I know how debilitating it can be to have a, a reoccurring psychological stress, whether it be caused by outside forces or your own internal dialogue stressing you out with negative, repetitive thinking that you just begin to feel like a prisoner of your own mind, a prisoner of your own body, and you're wondering when it will ever end and you just don't even like hanging out with yourself and waking up in your mind and your body. So I know exactly what that's like. I went through a long period of, of a dark night of a soul through that and what I found is that one of the best medicines for me was instead of trying to distract myself, even with activities like, oh, I'm just going to paint this, I'm going to sing this, I'm going to move this, I'm going to 
um, actually what I found was, was just sitting with it and surrendering to it and letting myself feel it and not trying to run away from the very things that were stressing me, but to really begin to have a conversation with what it is that is stressing me as if it was like another, um, version of myself talking to me. And there's been times when I've been completely just bullied by my inner thoughts. And instead of trying to fight them or combat them with, with positive thoughts or, Um, you know, I just didn't have the energy to do that anymore. So I just lied there and I listened to myself completely break myself down until there was really nothing left to be said. Like literally there was nothing left to be said about me. I was like, okay, is that it? Are we gonna talk about why I'm not worthy of love anymore? Or are we gonna move on to something else now? You know, whatever it was, I just sat with it. I sat with it and I listened to the very thing that I was trying to run away from until it was like standing in front of a bully where all of a sudden there's nothing left to be said that you're just like standing there while the bully bullies you name calls you and tells you why you're not good enough and why you're not doing enough you're not making enough money you're not xyz and you're just listening and you're just staring at the bully with love until they really just have nothing left to say (laughs) and they eventually leave they eventually leave so i've found that sometimes in these darkest moments the best thing to do is just to like sit there and you don't even need to have a plan just like have an intention that the body will know how to heal itself and the body will know how the spirit will know how to set itself free so um yeah like when it comes to those really like stressful thoughts you can begin to look at them um and make a game plan to address them um or to like not overcome them but to make friends with them um but it's helpful at the very first thing to do is to just not avoid it it's just just like sit there with the stress thing and um, whatever's stressing you out and really just truly listen to it and um, not put up a fight I found that that's really helped so I just wanted to share that um, on a mental health piece next is this topic of protecting our nervous system oh my gosh it is so funny how in our culture it's like if you're physically sick or physically got something going on or you got covid whatever all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh you need to rest go home take care of yourself but it's like not until the pain comes up that we give people their permission to take care of themselves but people you know for the most part like i i feel the moment my nervous system is getting a little strung out I'm getting a little bit too wired and I feel that and it's like this is the moment I actually need my rest and it's invisible it's something that's only personal that only I'm experiencing on the inside that isn't really visible on the outside to others and for me I realized it is so important to protect my nervous system at all costs and to do things and make decisions to um to heal myself and to, to enter a state back into balance so I'm not ignoring it until pain comes around or the sickness comes around or an injury comes around to slow me down and say, hey, look, look, you're not paying attention to me and we're going to um, give you this event or this sickness happen to, to slow you down and really look at your life so that you don't continue in this opposite direction that our soul has intended you to follow. Sorry, does that make sense? But 
basically, I'm also saying that there's something called the pain teacher, and there's a way to look at your pain as a teacher. So whenever pain is coming up in your life, it is because it is trying to course correct you um, because you're entering a path that could really further hurt you down the line. And your soul is doing everything it can to help you stay in this beautiful balance and the gift that is your life to live in this Garden of Eden, to live in abundance, to live in love instead of fear. And so that is our balance. That is our homeostasis. Our birthright is to feel incredible and vital and full of bliss and love and joy and all of the ray and spectrum of emotions, not just the happy ones, but you're here to feel alive and you're here on a mission. And um, sometimes that mission's just to exist and just to enjoy and just to be a holder of consciousness. And those times that we get away from our truth or we begin to get stressed out in life and then um, it begins to manifest as a sickness or an illness. But that is, I think, our higher self coming back in to say, hey, it's time to look at me. I'm here to help you. The pain is a teacher. The pain is a friend. And it is here to just put you back in the right track in life. So begin to look at your ailments um, and your pain as your messenger, as a savior in a way. So But before you even get to the pain point, it's really developing a relationship of listening to your nervous system and listening to what is, you know, contracting your energy or causing you to clench or making you feel burnt out or just emotionally like you don't have enough to give to the world. Begin to pay attention to that. Another way to protect your um, nervous system on a practical level is to just stop rushing. Oh my gosh, why are we rushing around I have just stopped rushing. You know, it doesn't help you do anything. It's a perspective shift. It makes you think you're going faster, but you really aren't. And you're sacrificing a lot more. You're sacrificing your health. You're sacrificing your well-being. And you're not gaining anything but maybe two seconds um, in return. And that's like, we don't even know if you're gaining that, but just stop rushing and accept that what it is. If you're running late for something, just accept that fact. Tell yourself, Hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm going to do my very best, but I'm going to keep a sense of calmitude and peace in my body and realize that not everything is such a big deal that I make it out to be. And I will get there when I get there and it's okay. Just stop rushing because it's a lot more taxing and you give a lot more than what you receive. Um, That's one thing. And another way that I protect my nervous system on a practical level is using humor. And that might be something that's very specific to me, but I know that I am operating in my truth when I can laugh at the very things that are also causing me pain or laugh at myself for like character things that I don't, I'm not always proud of, you know, but I'm able to laugh at it because I am not um, putting all this external pressure on myself, but I'm, I'm seeing the the delicateness of the human experience and the gentleness of the human experience and my ever-changing nature so I can kind of laugh at myself for not being perfect or not making it there on time and just giving myself that permission and you'll find that like when you give yourself that permission and kind of roll it off like water rolling under the bridge or water rolling off the back whatever that saying is you'll find most people actually respond to you similar similarly in that way as well um and it becomes like your superpower to just hold this like torch of like calmitude and acceptance of what is happening and then the kind of humor um rolls around so it be me being able to just laugh at the very 
things that were once stressing me out becomes a sense of joy and as something to look back at and laugh on. So um, that's helped me. And then the last tip on um, protecting your nervous system, it's called the morning pages. So I did this for like five months straight. I woke up and first thing I did in the morning was write three, around three pages of stream of consciousness writing. So I got this from the artist way, Julia Cameron, shout out. But um, this artist way task was that you wake up and write three pages stream of consciousness it doesn't have to make sense it's not even meant to be read reread and you just begin to like word vomit onto a page and then you just throw everything out there and it's like all of these thoughts that would have been um running around in your head you actually just put it into a place into a structure so that it's not going to be on loop on background in your brain like most of the time there's things looping in our brain and like things we're worried about and stressed about but we've tuned it out because otherwise we'd go crazy listening to this inner roommate that we have that just drives us nuts um, but when you put it out into the paper and you begin to see it you actually create more space more real estate as my friend once said she's like i need more real estate in my mind just more space between the thoughts and they won't be um stressing you and just like becoming this like repeated thought pattern in your brain but something also really happens magical in the morning pages where you begin to like it usually starts off with a lot of like word vomiting things that happen things that you're processing things that you don't like and then all of a sudden there's begins to be a break where it's like after all that all of a sudden it just hits this new um speed and it's just undulating with positive affirmation and joy and you begin to like co-create your experience in a more intentional way of how you want to feel what you want to see what you want your day to look like um, things you're grateful for. It's it's really beginning to rewire and repattern and restructure the brain. So that is super important. And it's been a practice of mine um, for about five months. I've actually stopped that now. Um, I feel like I'm ready to put it to rest and I have a new morning ritual that I wanted to replace it with. And then of course, I'll probably just go back to it at some point when I feel like I really need it. But um yeah, I really love how it's it's really manifested a lot in my life. And I didn't even mean to um, co-create some of the things that I did, but it was super amazing. And I'll just leave it at that because everyone will have their own journey with it. But I found that it has created a lot of space and um, peace in my body. So I recommend that. So to wrap things up here, um, uh, let's go back to the kind of the body and the physicality and Again, some of the main things that really helped me out on my journey. Um, the last things were um, detoxifying the body. Do not overlook the importance of cleansing and renewing and detoxifying the body. Even if you think you eat the healthiest and you're doing the best and you're doing the cold water plunges and all that and the saunas and whatever it is, the lymph drain, you know, you need to make sure that you are detoxifying your body and cleansing the system changing out the filters so what does that look like maybe that looks like some fasting maybe that looks like um doing colonics you know i love a good colonic that's radically changed my life helped me with my um digestive issues and just clearing out toxins that you can be holding on to for decades and taking out the trash kind of in your body um, as well as, you know, you can do liver and gallbladder cleanses, or you can look into Dr. Schultz. Um, that whole website has a ton of recipes or Andrew Moritz 
with his um, liver gallbladder kidney cleanses. You can start doing castor oil packs. Um, you can start doing saunas or if you have access to cold water plunges. These are all things I've done that have super radically changed my health. Um, especially my favorite for sure is the cold water plunges. I absolutely love the cold water and what it has done for me physically um, and just helping me sleep at night to like just feeling like tighter and toner and full of energy and more mental clarity. But I also just love the um, physical resilience that it has created um, in my daily life and just ability to handle adversity and turmoil with more um, consistency and a sense of ease and calmitude which is really important to like not be in these super highly overreactive states, but feeling really grounded. So I love the cold water for that. That one was a game changer for me. I started by just doing cold showers. Um, and then I started by um, going into the ocean in you know January and December. And then I would begin to do hikes to Alpine lakes where these lakes were like 39, 40 degrees. Um, to like 50 degrees and to like friends now um, who have had or have now a, a cold plunge that I go into where I really experience a lot of benefit and have a lot of gratitude to these friends who um, offered that as well. So look into that, look into that kind of stuff and those treatments to cleanse the body. And if you're experiencing, you know, severe digestive issues and IBS, start by eating whole foods, whole organic foods, start cooking your own foods, eating out less, stop drinking as much. Um, if you have, you know, IBS, di digestive issues, colitis, stop drinking, stop doing drugs, cocaine um, that are just going to exacerbate this issue and cause more irritation. So that's something to look into. And then look into parasite cleanses. Okay, this was revolutionary honestly like the whole getting bloated after every meal thing completely stopped when i did a parasite cleanse and i did about two or three last year and then the year before that i did one and i didn't even realize it i was kind of doing impromptu parasite cleanses because i was just getting into herbs and different tinctures and um, infusions and i didn't realize at the time but my body was and intuition was leading me to eat and drink certain foods and plants that were anti-parasitic, which was definitely helping, but I didn't know why it was helping. I just thought the plants in general were just helping me heal. But in essence, I was kind of doing these impromptu parasite cleanses. And then when I really learned about them, um, as I took up this job in this holistic health medical spa and learning about all these different parasites that people have and how they show up and how they affect our body and steal our nutrients, um, it's super important and in my dreams oh my god like that's like the most important part was um for like years i was having these dreams that were guiding me to do these parasite cleanses and they're very visceral very symbolic um and i eventually began to do that and when i did i was noticing a huge dramatic shift in my physical body but my mental health that was crazy and it's crazy because these organisms are some of them have been around on earth longer than we have and are actually have their own thought patterns. They have their own consciousness that are influencing and affecting us from the foods that we eat to who we sleep with, to, um, our, you know, our purpose, what our, what our drive is, what our goals are, what our dreams are. They are all convoluting and, um, our, our, just our perception in general. And so the more that we get rid of these 
service to self, these dark, darker forces, we make room for who we are and our natural essence, which is light. And the more light we have, the more inspiration we have, the more healing energy we have, the more opportunity to go into these states of spontaneous healing um, and just feeling that really deep connection back to the earth. So funny like parasites actually thrive they thrive off of the things that make us sick so it is cool because they do have a place like they thrive off of radiation heavy metals um sugars and eat a lot of toxins so um it's important when you're doing one of these cleanses that you're being smart about it because i'm all down to like experiment and be like folkloric about things and like totally diy a lot of stuff um and i can do that because i have a really great intuition and a deep sense of like listening with my own body and what its needs are but I will advise you that there are risks with that because if you have a severe parasite problem you don't even know that when they die off in your body they can release all the toxins and it can make you sicker and your immune system can get shot um, and it'll just mess you up mess your sleep up so there's a way to do it you can look up online um, Dr. Axe AXE he's got a nice little procedure out there but essentially you're just going to want to you can either go the herbal route if you want to go the herbal route and take detoxify herbs um like wormwood or um um, clove garlic berberine um pumpkin seed there's a there's a tons of different um i'm forgetting one but there's tons of different um herbs out there but if you're going to do that you also want to take um a binder with it um later on to bind to the uh, die-off symptoms of the parasite or you can go and do more of a um if you want to do more of a pharmaceutical route you can totally do that too maybe that's your jam like you want to just like paralyze them because that's essentially what they do like when you take a pharmaceutical drug it's like parasite paralyzing the parasite and basically then you can get yourself into enemas or colonics to really flush them out because the last thing you want to do is get constipated and not be able to push out these toxins and so that's really important um, to do. This is something that has just been in ancestral knowledge forever. Um, and I think our ancestors knew how to do these kinds of cleanses and would drink these tinctures and teas and cook our foods in certain ways and preparate, preparing them in certain ways that would naturally kill off any parasites. So any of these eggs can be found in, you know, in fruits and vegetables. It's not like a third world country thing. It's like you're walking barefoot. Like it's just, you're going to be exposed to it. We're mammals and we're the perfect host and we all have them and we just got to get over it and stop looking at it like a scary third world thing and just realize it's part of the beautiful microbiome that we have inside of us, but we can't let them get out of balance. So it's super important. And when I began to do parasite cleanses, um, holy heck, that's when like everything shifted like that was like the straw on the camel's back of like putting me into a new era of health where I don't get bloated I don't well I get fatigued sometimes but I definitely don't get bloated after I eat anymore I'm not crampy I'm not having a lot of gas I'm um, not having insatiable hunger and cravings and like in intense cravings for sweets anymore um and my skin's cleared up a lot more but just like I just knew something was up with this and when I really took advantage uh, took advantage or took uh, control of this situation is when I began to see a lot of change so that is something that you can work with a holistic doctor on if you want um, get tested for it but a lot of the tests out there are actually um, not that accurate 
Um, and in the Western medical system, we don't really acknowledge parasites. We actually kind of laugh at it. But in real essence, what they're finding right now is most likely um, a buildup of parasites are looking similar to what cancer is in the body. So a lot of times you might get um, diagnosed as having a tumor or cancer or PCOS or all these other issues when really it's just an issue of parasites. So it's a lot of information, a lot of new wormhole, <laughs> pun intended, to enter if you want to go down that path. Um, I have a lot to say about it, but feeling like I just want to end it at that um, to just kind of... Uh, kind of like open the lid on that and let you guys go through um, your own discovery process on that as well. So begin to start with all these beautiful things that will really change your health. And I really hope that you guys have found something in this episode today to regenerate you and to inspire you and to take back charge of your health because like I said before it is our birthright to feel incredible it is our birthright to feel connected and just full of inspiration and light and energy and this whole thing we've been told about aging and what it does to our body is a complete lie um, so it's time for us to awaken to our true potential and to realize that as humans, we are the technology. We do not need to outsource for anything or any new, you know, biohacking, whatever trend, um, but to realize that the greatest technology to ever exist is us and is our body. And even the greatest technology that's ever created by man was created by man. So we are just kind of like externalizing um, what we can be doing on the inside through intention, mind, thought, prayer, and eating well and treating our body like the temple that it is. So... Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> this ended up being a lot longer than I anticipated. So thank you if you've been listening this far. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. I do this because I really love you guys. I love humanity and I want to see us thrive. I want to see my brothers and sisters out here in the world just completely going after it and feeling good. Um, I do this because this is my gift to the world is to be the guinea pig. And because I have such an analytical, critical mind and I love investigating that, um, and I have such a strong intuition and relationship with, with my body and, and the messages that it's telling me. Um, I like being the guinea pig and learning what does work and doesn't work for me and sharing it with other people who might be like me out there who need this information. So hope this helps guys. Um, got a lot of love for you all and I just hope you guys are having the best summer ever because the sunshine is out and I'm just feeling so high on love and life and just the ecstatic bliss that it is to be human on earth right now <laughs> truly so um much love enjoy the rest of your day night evening life <laughs> bye guys